0: Now, it's time for the Tim Donnelly Show on the talk of the New River Valley,
1: 1017, 1035, and 1460 WRAD. Good morning. Happy Monday. Welcome into the Tim Donnelly Show on the talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM as well. This is the Tim Donnelly Show. I'm Tim Donnelly, producer Lobro, joining me here inside the Mockadoo studio. Guests and callers, join us on the Baker Team hotline. That's 540-639-4900. That's 540-639-4900. It is a new week. Go ahead and make it work for you. It is a Monday. As I have described to you in the past, if we assume an 80-year life and you hate every Monday, it's 12 years of your life that you hate. So don't let it happen. Mind over matter. Come into Monday with the expectation that it is going to be awesome. Come into this Monday, February 17th, a couple days after Valentine's Day, as if it's going to be awesome. Let your mind lead the way and your body will follow. You feel me, Lobro? I feel you. All right. Uh, it was a good weekend, all-star game, a lot going on. And and to make sure you are caught up on everything, whether it's XFL, whether it's Hokies, of course, uh, or or it is that, that all-star weekend that I was talking about, we make sure you know what is going on in case you catch yourself in any sports conversation with something we call Got You Covered. No one has time to catch all the games. Don't worry, Tim will get you covered. This past weekend, NBA All-Star Weekend, one of the most exciting if inconsequential weeks on the sports calendar, dunk contest, three-point contest, all-star game mixed in amongst a whole bunch of stuff that really doesn't matter. We'll start with the dunk contest. Aaron Gordon gets robbed once again. He put up five straight 50s, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, five of them, and somehow he leaves without the trophy. No knock on Derrick Jones Jr. His his highlight reel was unbelievable. The, the, the dunks he was able to pull off, I can't even explain in words, let alone even attempt. Couldn't even make them appear in my mind. However, if someone puts up five straight 50s and they are someone that came into the dunk contest with the reputation of Aaron Gordon... He should have won. I'm going to just go ahead and say that one. Moving on to the All-Star Game, the new rules were awesome. Uh, The the NBA learned that essentially the last four minutes of the game is the only time when the All-Star Game is actually played with any kind of actual intensity and effort. So what did they do? They made the end of each quarter its own winner, thus giving us uh, another 12 minutes Uh, To do quick math there, 12 minutes of last four-minute effort. Uh, It really became really, really exciting. Uh, Kyle Lowry attempted to take a charge, which I don't think I've ever seen in an All-Star game. Kawhi Leonard, who is Mr. Load Management, Mr. I-need-to-take-a-rest-to-save-myself-for-the-playoffs, earned MVP MVP. Effort is everything in all-star games. If you can get the players to give effort, it becomes an awesome all-star game, partially because they were honoring Kobe Bryant, a guy that always gave effort, partially because of the new rules. It ended up being one of the best all-star games I've seen in quite some time last night. Uh, Confirming, someone's lying. Someone is lying to us, everybody. It's either Miles Garrett or Mason Rudolph. Miles Garrett saying Mason Rudolph used a racial slur prior to. Miles Garrett hitting him over the head with a helmet. Mason Rudolph saying, I absolutely did not. I'll put it this way. If I were the one that knew I was right, if I were either Garrett or Rudolph and I knew what I was saying was the absolute truth, you would not see me back off of my stance. I would be pushing. I would be taking it to the court of law if I had to. I would want the truth to set me free because having it bottled up in this he said, he said movement is not going to help anyone. Uh, Moving along, Virginia Tech took on Pittsburgh on the basketball floor and for the first time in five games and for just the second time in the last eight, the Hokies found paydirt. They got a huge performance from PJ Horn, one of their veteran leaders, 18 points on six of nine shooting, four for six from three. I'm not sure how repeatable that performance is for PJ, but when it happened, it was exactly what the doctor ordered. Also, Jalen Cohn off the bench going four of five from three, four of six overall for 12 points in just 19 minutes. I have one thing to say to Mike Young and that Hokies coaching staff. Play Jalen Cohn more. If the guy doesn't miss three-pointers – Maybe keep him on the floor for more than 20 minutes, right? 19 minutes is not enough for the guy that doesn't miss. It just seems that simple sometimes, especially in a game where Landers Nolley was struggling the way he did from the field. He impacted the game with 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, and a block, but he went 3 for, uh, 3 for 15 excuse me, from the field, 0 of 6 from 3. Jalen Cohn can help mitigate that cold streak from, from Landers Nolley. Play the kid. This Wednesday, the Hokies are taking on Miami and what I'm calling a must-win. They lost to Miami 71-61 on January 28th in the middle of that losing streak. If they want to prevent another long losing, another long losing streak, they have to beat Miami because following Miami is Duke. Following Duke is UVA. Following UVA is Louisville. Those are going to be tough games to come away with a victory for the Hokies, so make sure you get Miami while you can. Cam Phillips, former Hokie great wide receiver, He's playing like a current Roughnecks great, member of my Houston Roughnecks, and he has four touchdowns in two games, three this past weekend, uh, yesterday, to tally the highest amount of receiving touchdowns in XFL history. Granted, they've only played eight games and we're in week number two, but still three touchdowns for Cam Phillips, an absolutely incredible catch along the backside of the end zone, a tough hands catch uh, later on in the game, give him three For the contest, that's a camp invite. He'll be in the NFL next year. And finally, the Astros. Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers, Chris Bryant of the Cubs, Trevor Bauer of the Reds, you got a fan in me because they're calling out the Astros for what they are, cheaters. Carlos Correa is giving us stupid uh, excuses. All I want to hear is the rest of baseball say the Astros aren't cool. That's... the. That end of of the gotcha covered made me laugh. Like calling someone not cool is like the ultimate insult. All I want to hear is them say the Astros aren't cool. As if there's going to be a group of middle schoolers going, ooh. Not cool. Um, Let's go ahead and talk about NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, We'll we'll come back to the Astros stuff later on in the show. Uh, NBA All-Star Weekend, speaking of, of the dunk contest, Again, I call the dunk contest, I call the home run derby for baseball, um, the front porch of, of the league, right? It's what you see from the street. It's what you see when you're driving by. If you don't know the ins and outs of the house, if you're not familiar with the league, the, one of the first things you're going to see is the dunk contest because it's going to be one of the most shared things on social media. It's going to be extremely easily digestible, meaning it's going to be you know a minute or two of highlights rather than... Uh, you know, the, the much, much longer time it would take to completely understand how a game goes down. Um, it's it's otherworldly athleticism, which I think everyone can appreciate, right? I don't do parkour, but if I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see some guy attempting to jump a, a gap that looks like otherworldly athleticism would be necessary, I'll sit there and let it let it play for 30 or 40 seconds to watch the guy hurdle himself over the gap, right? We are all interested in those wild and crazy feats that somehow someone of our species is able to do. And Aaron Gordon is that dude. Aaron Gordon, uh, let me make sure I get his height correctly. He's not, you know, a, a little guy that it looks impressive when he jumps just because he's little. He is six feet, nine inches tall, and he jumped over a gentleman by the name of Taco Fall who is seven feet, five inches. He jumped over... A guy that was 7 feet 5 inches, and that was the lowest scoring of his six dunks, and the dunk that ultimately cost him the dunk contest. He jumped over a 7 foot 5 inch player. Do I need to tell you how tall 7 feet 5 is? Most doorways that you walk under every day are 7 feet.
0: I think I just let that sink in for a second yeah like i that's that's crazy the
1: standard doorway like the door to the room that you're probably sitting in right now is seven feet this dude was five inches taller than that and a six foot nine guy jumped over him and dunked a basketball it wasn't like high jump he wasn't just jumping over to jump over
0: how do you even get yourself off the ground that high
1: As a six-foot, nine-inch player, right? Aaron Gordon, it's not like he's – like, have you ever seen a a high jumper in the Olympics? Yeah. They're all lanky and skinny, right, because they got to propel that body up. Like, Like Aaron Gordon is a six-foot, nine-inch muscular dude that plays a contact sport every single day, and he hurled himself, and and it was the worst of his dunks. Derrick Jones Jr. was a monster, and and I don't want to take away from him. To me, what what Aaron Gordon and Derek Jones Jr. were able to do was was put together one of the top three, maybe top five dunk contests of all time. Right, i put it behind Vince in two thousand. I'd put it behind uh, Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, whatever that was, twenty fifteen, and and maybe behind one of the Jordan Dominiques in the late eighties. But that's it. That's absolutely it. So so. Saying Derrick Jones Jr. didn't deserve to win is not necessarily a knock on Derrick Jones Jr. Some of those through-the-legs alley-oops, the the one where he jumped over the guy, caught it off the backboard, went between the legs, was the best dunk of the night. But he didn't do it as consistently. Right? the, The thing that Aaron Gordon was able to do was you're supposed to come into the night with four prepared dunks. Every dunk he prepared was a 50, a perfect score.
0: Then how does that not make you an automatic winner?
1: So what happened was, uh, in the finals, Derrick Jones Jr. also had two 50s. So then they went to overtime. And both of their first dunks in overtime were 50s. So if you're keeping track at home, that's Aaron Gordon's fifth perfect dunk of the night. Then they went to a sixth dunk, and that's where the, I guess the judges decided to finally be a little bit more tough, and it was 48-47 in favor of Derrick Jones Jr.
0: But wait a minute. So... You said Aaron Gordon had full, all of his dunks were perfect.
1: His first five were all fifties.
0: And then Aaron gordon or not Aaron gordon, Derek Jones Der- Jr. I just watched this one like where he's jumping over this one guy and he like he it didn't go in. Like, well,
1: you're allowed. You're allowed misses. Oh, you are. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. See? Okay, all right. So then you get to go back and do it again. Some judges hold that against you.
0: Still less impressive. Some, than getting it on the first try. I think. Some
1: some don't don't hold it against you. Some only hold it against you if it's a dunk they think you should make on the first try. Right. Because you want the reason they let you have some misses is is they want the players trying stuff that is absolutely insane. If you if you had to make your dunk on the first try, they would all do much easier dunks because they they wouldn't want to miss and and get a zero. So so I mean, I I don't mind that. You know what else I loved about uh, the dunk contest on Saturday? No props. Right, the, the only prop was, was uh, Dwight Howard putting on a Superman cape, and the only reason he did that is because it was a callback 21 in t- 2008 uh, when he put the Superman cape on. There was a point in time where the, the dunk contest was all about props. It was all about jumping over Kias, putting on capes. It was all about all this uh, foolish stuff, using mascots. I like the fact that last night everyone was like, no, 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 here's what we're going to do. We are going to jump recklessly high. We are going to do incredibly athletic things in the air. And then we're going to dunk the basketball. And And you're going to be just as impressed with what we're doing as you were when Blake Griffin was jumping over a Kia because he was paid by Kia, right? So so uh, it's a top five all-time dunk contest. It's no props. It should have been Aaron Gordon's trophy. Uh, but it's Derek Jones Jr. And I guess, you know, If I get too upset about a dunk contest, I don't know what that says about me. So I'm just going to move on and and say when we come back, we're going to talk about the All-Star Game, their changes, and how it made the All-Star Game a better experience for everyone. Next. Don't rush off. The Tim Donnelly Show will be right back on WRAD. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show. Talk of the New River Valley WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM as well. The All-Star game took place last night, and I will say this about All-Star games. And it's why uh, the Pro Bowl absolutely stinks on ice. It's why Major League Baseball continuously changes the format or what's on the line or uh, you know the, the stakes in the Major League Baseball All-Star game. It's because All-Star games have the potential to be the best, most entertaining game of the year because they have the best, most entertaining characters in it right? The most recognizable faces, the most talented players. The problem is it's hard to coax effort out of them, right? These guys are playing a ton of games all year. It's hard to make them play an extra one when there's nothing on the line other than a few cheers from the crowd and maybe a couple likes on, on Twitter and Instagram. So last night, what the all-star game did was genius. It was a, a perfect move by them to make each quarter its own winner, right? Because the one thing that these guys are built on, right? All-stars in every sport, the one thing they have in common, right? There's finesse players, there's power players, there's tall players, there's short players, there's shooters, there's dunkers, there's defense, right? The one thing they all have in common is insane competitiveness, right? They all have that one switch that's cranked up to 57 out of a 10-point scale inside their brain that says they don't like to lose. So what that normally equated to in the the NBA All-Star game was you know, 90% of it was played with no effort, and then at the end, when the game was on the line, it was played with all the effort. So what they did is they made each quarter its own winner, and then they restarted at zero at the end of the quarter. And that meant everyone wanted to win all the time, and the effort was just skyrocketed you couple that with or you you multiply that with um with 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 it being Kobe's night right with Magic Johnson giving the Kobe speech at the beginning of the game with Jennifer Hudson singing the Kobe tribute which by the way however long i live i hope Jennifer Hudson lives at least one more day so she can sing at my memorial <laughs> With, with the teams all wearing either number 24 for one side or two for the other for Kobe and Gianna Bryant, with the chance of Kobe coming from the crowd, the players put an extra amount of effort into this game, whether it was to win, whether it was to honor Kobe's legacy as the hardest worker in every room. There was effort on the floor last night that I don't recall seeing in NBA All-Star games. Kyle Lowry was trying to take charges Taking charges is is what you borderline don't even do in less meaningful regular season games. Kawhi Leonard, who is the poster child, right? He is on the billboard for load management. He'll play in 60, 65 games in the regular season and, and not be hurt, right? Just willingly sit out 15 to 20 games a year just so he's fresh in the postseason. He won MVP. Of an all-star game that does not matter. He not only was on the floor, he was gunning. You don't win MVP without making a conscious decision to put in effort. And it was awesome because they didn't have to appeal to the players' greed, right? The winning uh teams, the the, the money that they won ended up going to charity. They were playing for different charities, right? I, I've heard. In the past, people throw out that you should give a million dollars to every player that wins an all-star game because then those guys are going to play really, really hard because a million dollars is a lot of money. I love that they were able to coax competitive effort out of guys that really had no obvious incentive to play hard. They were able to coax obvious effort out of those guys without a simple bribe, right? Without just saying, y'all are rich and greedy. Let's put money on the line. They were able to say, this is for Kobe. They were able to say, each of these quarters matters. They were able to say, this money is for charity. And they were able to say, put on a show. And that's exactly what they did. Now, we'll see if when it's not Kobe's all-star game, although they did name the MVP trophy after Kobe Bryant, which we talked about on Friday would be an, an awesome gesture. They did do that. We'll see if from this point forward, when it's not so fresh in everyone's mind, if the NBA can continue to, to draw that type of high-level intensity and effort out of its players. Because if they do, the NBA All-Star game might be entering into a, a golden era. And the Pro Bowl and Major League Baseball All-Star game and the NHL All-Star game, they're all going to be calling up Commissioner Silver saying, hey, hey, yeah, 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 good, great season. No, no, seriously, how do you get your guys to play that hard in the All-Star game? I'm not calling for pleasantries. I had a fun time watch I didn't watch it last night. I watched it about three o'clock this morning in, in the replay. But uh but I had a fun time with it. And that's more than I can say for just about any other All Star game in my life. Let's take a break when we come back. Somebody's lying to all of us. I don't like being lied to. Next. Welcome back. This is the Tim Donnelly Show on the talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM, live from the Mockadoo Studio. Guests and callers join us on the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Lobro in studio with me. Uh, Lobro, you're, you're looking chill. You got on like 12 layers and we're inside and it's not that cold outside.
0: Uh, it was a little cold for me this morning, and this, plus the studio is really cold. My uh, my office has like this vent that just straight up just emits heat like crazy, and I have no control over it because we cannot touch the thermostat. But like it's crazy because I come in here and it's like an ice box. It's not cold in here. It is cold. This this vent is above me sounds like excuses coming from the producer's see, chair. You see, you see this vent right here? Right sounds there? like ex- that's it, not a vent. That's a speaker. No, there's a vent. you you know what I'm talking about. You see it right there. It blows cold air diagonally down towards me. And it sounds like excuses it's, coming from the producer's awful. chair.
1: So so essentially, you say it's cold, I say it's not. Someone is lying. And it's definitely you. Just like someone is lying between Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. Now these situations happen in life, right? Where two people are in a place, and something happens, right? And they come out of that place with no witnesses, no camera recordings, not none, none, you know, no evidence. With one saying, "This is what happened," and the other saying, "No, this is what happened." And and the tough spot to be in. It's extremely tough. It's it's the definition of a he said he said or a he said she said or. She said, she said, whatever the combination is, right? So, so, and only the best investigators like ever, right? You need like a uh, uh, house or, or uh, Sherlock Holmes to, to be able to figure it out, right? All those weird little clues like, oh, the lampshade is just askew. That means that you're lying and you got to figure out why. The, he said, he said, things are tough because you know, one is lying, you know, one is lying. You don't know which one, right? And any inference you make is completely fabricated by you. And most of us like to believe we don't have biases, that we're completely objective, that we don't judge people. But if two people walk into a room with no windows, close the door and have a conversation, and then they come out with one saying, he, he called me this word and that word and he's such a bad person, and the other saying, what are you... We didn't talk about anything. We didn't say anything. The whole time, we just stood there. Right? The only way for you to to reach your conclusion is to look at them, think about their personalities, and just choose one to believe. Kind of arbitrarily. Right? That's how you end up with, uh, you know, people accused of murder and their significant others are standing by him wholeheartedly, right? Because they've just chosen to believe the one that they've known longer, no matter what the evidence says. So on a football field, you would think it is darn near impossible to be in that situation, right? It's not like a defensive lineman and a quarterback go into a room with no windows, soundproof, shut the door, and and have a conversation, then come out. So you would think If someone said something positive, negative, indifferent, there would be about 20 other guys other than those two that would hear it. But apparently not. Miles Garrett is accusing Mason Rudolph of igniting the situation that led to Miles Garrett raining a pretty aggressive blow with a helmet Onto Mason Rudolph's head. Miles Garrett is accusing Mason Rudolph of using a racial slur of the worst variety to ignite Miles Garrett, and Mason Rudolph has come out and said, "Absolutely not." Right? It's a more statementy, feeling statement with you know words like "I re- refuse" and it's completely incorrect, 100 percent whatever. But essentially, Miles Garrett is saying he did it. Mason Rudolph is saying, I didn't do it, and that's it. That's what we have to go off of. So the only 100% truth, beyond a shadow of a doubt, truth that I know is someone is lying. Someone is trying to CYA, cover your backside, right? Someone is trying to, to rewrite history, right? Either Miles Garrett knows that one of the only ways that, that that move, right, that helmet slam becomes justifiable is if there's a racial slur, or Mason Rudolph knows that he immediately becomes a pariah in, in most arenas in America, including an NFL locker room, if he becomes the guy who used that word in a derogatory term.
0: It's so, so tough.
1: Both would have motivation to be lying if they were, right? Both would have plenty of reason to be protecting themselves monetarily and otherwise. So here's my advice. Whichever is true, right? Whichever player... In their heart of hearts, and I'm not talking about the lies that you convince yourself are true, right? You know, when when you you say something so much that it becomes true to you. I'm not talking about that, right? I think you believed it when you said it, but you're li- like, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying they need to have a a introspective moment. I talk about these moments all the time, right? When you get out of the shower, right? You wipe the little circle of steam off of the the mirror so you can just see your face. You put one hand on either side of the sink and you look at yourself in the eyeballs. You have that moment. They need to have that moment. And if they can honestly say, I am telling the 100% truth, he, he did or I didn't, I would go on a ravenous tour. I would take every interview. I would go to uh, get an attorney and take it to court. I would do everything possible to make sure everyone knew that I am in the right here because this is not leaving either of their legacies ever. Right when Mason Rudolph retires or when the league says he's done, they're they're done with him, the first letter of, or the first sentence of the the newspaper article in his hometown is going to say an NFL career best known for the Thursday night skirmish against Miles Garrett that ended with Mason Rudolph being hit like this is not going anywhere for either of these guys so the only thing you can do is make sure that after that sentence there's a a another sentence that says It was later proven, or Mason has maintained his stance that, or Miles was adamant, right? You need to make that next line be, here's the justification. Sue him, right? Go on every talk show possible. I don't care if you have to sit in between the ladies on The View. I don't care if you have to go play some stupid corny game with Jimmy Fallon just so you can get your three minutes sitting on the couch to plead your case right I don't care if you have to sing karaoke without the music I don't know what whatever they do there or lip sync if you imagine Miles Garrett lip syncing to it wasn't me and then sitting, and then sitting on the the couch and saying, "Listen, I, this is why I did it. It wasn't right." Or the same is true for Mason, right? Imagine if Mason lip syncs to another one, bites the dust, and then he's sitting on the couch saying, "I would never use that word. I I would go on an all out offensive. I would go all out aggressive." offensive game plan if I were either of them and I knew I was right. If I did that same introspective moment, hands on each side of the sink, eyes in the mirror, fresh out the shower, if, if I have that moment and I acknowledge that I'm lying, then I'm probably shutting my mouth for the rest of my life and no commenting everybody to death because uh, you're know you already in deep. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, NFL Players Association negotiations on the new CBA Uh, Again, considering a 17-game season, adding another game to the NFL schedule, if I were a player, I'll tell you what I'd say next. Take the Tim Donnelly Show with you anywhere you go. Streaming worldwide on WRADradio.com. Welcome back in to the Tim Donnelly Show, talk of the New River Valley. Live inside the Makadoo studio, guests and callers join us on the Baker team hotline. So... It appears as if we know what one of the main sticking points outside of cash money is going to be for the NFL CBA negotiations. Keep in mind, they want to have a new CBA negotiated upon uh, in time for this upcoming season, but likely they won't because they never do it with time to spare, and the CBA doesn't expire until the end of the upcoming season. So it'll go at least that long. Uh, and, and the main sticking point as always will be cash, right? The players are going to want more money. The owners aren't going to want to give them any more money and, and it's going to become an, an ordeal. And then once they kind of get close on the money, they'll start being concessions, right? They'll start saying, okay, if you give us that one extra percent of revenue, we'll give you more time off in the off season, or we'll give you better benefits long-term, or we'll give you the little stuff, right? They're just negotiating tactics. I call it the lawnmower. When I was selling my house, uh, we had a house in in upstate New York. We were selling it to move here. Um, we also had a riding lawnmower, right? We had a, uh, the, the, like a 1.5 acre lot and we had a riding lawnmower to cut it. And we knew we were moving here to a place where we weren't going to have a yard. So we saved the lawnmower. We didn't sell it. Because whenever the negotiations got close on a on an offer for the house, we were gonna say, "Give us a couple extra thousand on the house now. We'll give you the lawnmower." That was gonna be our last little little add-on, right? And there's a ton of last little add-ons in CBA negotiations. Seventeen game season is not a last little add-on, outside of the money. That's prob outside of the money split. That's probably the the biggest sticking point that this negotiation will have, right? Players don't want 17 games. Do you know why? Because you get hurt in games, right? You know why? Because it's already a long season. 17 games means a whole nother week of putting your body through that, that process of getting beat up and fighting back for recovery and getting beat up and fighting back for recovery and getting beat up and fighting back for recovery and another week is another long time long time NFL players association the players are fighting for it not to even be considered until 2022 or 2023 i mean that's a stopgap that's that's just kicking the can down the road if i were if i were the players here's what i would do I would tell the owners, listen, we'll play a 17th game. I need another one-tenth of my salary every year, right? Because if you think about it, adding another game, you should get at least another one-sixteenth of your salary. If you're making $16 million for 16 games, and now they ask you to play 17, you should make $17 million. That's just logic, right?
0: It makes sense, like, yeah.
1: But I would argue that an NFL contract although it is paid out in increments every week you should get paid more for the last week than you should the first week right your first week you're fresh your body's good by the end you're you're beat up you're hurt it's like it's like you take a little bit of every week along the way and and you have to carry that into your 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 games at the end of the year
0: so you think that they like so wait, you're saying that, that they should like dole out the cash from the contract? No, no, no. Like, I'm not I'm not
1: I think they should dole it first. out I think they should dole it out the way they do, but I think you earn it a little more each week. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, okay. I thought you were saying that you kind of give them a little bit, then as the season goes on you I, start depositing more.
1: I think that's how that's how they earn it, but I I mean I don't care their pay structure. I understand that guys want to have, you know, a steady paycheck for the eighteen oh, weeks of the season yeah, or whatever. Absolutely. It is. Um my point is if I were to play a 17th game, I would want like another eighth of my contract. So if I make $16 million, I'm just using 16 because it's an easy number, $16 million to play 16 games, to play one more game, I want more than just another million, right? Logic would say, hey, you play, you know, every game is $1 million. That's, I don't think that's true. I think at the end of the year, it should be worth $2 million. And see how much the owners really want that 17th game if they have to pay everybody basically two game checks to play that extra game. That's what I would say. I would say, listen, we'll play. Yeah, everybody's got a number. I want two game checks for one more game. I I want double what I would get for any other game for the extra because I'm going to be more tired. I'm going to be more hurt. It's going to be at the end of the year when when my body's beat up and it takes more mental exhaustion to play, it takes more physical exhaustion to play.
0: Now, we're talking about people or the players that are already in a contract. Do you think that this will increase future players? I think in? I think
1: the rookie scale should increase along the same way. Um and, and obviously I think once you set the the um once you set the market with the contracts now being blown up a bit, you'd have to obviously adjust the salary cap to be higher. Um, and then in future negotiations, agents just have to do their job to get their players the money. But the market will already kind of have been set by the fact that they treated the current contracts the way that they did. Right? Because there are some big contracts out there that I believe need to to be honored as big contracts, right? You can't go from being a gigantic contract to being a steal, like being a you know a, a cheap contract just because they added another game. Yeah. That's, that's not fair
0: it devalues
1: you so essentially I'd be I, if I this is to boil it down to a sound bite yeah I'll play an extra game you have to pay me out my ears though
0: I didn't get that reference
1: you're just gonna have to pay me so much that I got coins and cash falling out of my nose right I, I gotta have so much I don't know what to do I'm gonna be drowning in cash yeah I'll play another game but I'm not playing it just for for you this ain't a favor right it's it's when your it's boss job when your boss asks you to work overtime it's not a favor you better give me time and a half right it's a job <laughs> that's that's how it works it's a job not a hobby <laughs> exactly let's take a break when we come back hokey hour here on the tim donnelly show stick around